Hi everyone, this is Olga Mack, still working from home, building the future of contracts. And today I'm talking to Julie. Julie, please introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Julie Honor. I'm general counsel with 3Q Digital. We're a performance marketing agency um, throughout the United States, headquartered in Chicago. And um, I'm excited to be here and chat with you today, Olga. I love your career. And just the sheer variety of stuff you've done. It's, it's very interesting. It's definitely not uh, usual. Um, and it's, a, it's, 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 it's very exciting. So tell me how it all started. Well, it's been an interesting career and not one I necessarily would have chosen if I had to pick my own adventure, but I'm really grateful for how it's turned out. And I started my career um, right out of law school, getting a job at a great firm because I followed all the rules in law school, like grid grade, moot court, journal, and then get a great job. And um, moved up to Chicago, took the bar, passed the bar, and started working at this great law firm doing commercial real estate. Um, got sworn in for the bar in Illinois and went to work the next morning and got laid off um, with the financial crash happening in 2008. So within my first hour as a licensed lawyer actually at my job, I lost it. Um, so that was quite a surprise and a shock. Um, well, I think we'll go into a little bit more detail of different things that happened, but um, ultimately found myself in litigation um, after several months of figuring out what to do with my life and with my career. Um, and then left litigation uh, and actually left the law. And I went into change management consulting for um, about six months until I got pulled back into the law um, in an in-house capacity as a general counsel role and have been in that function um, with the in-house world for about five years or so now. And I love it. It's like the most rewarding and perfect place that I never thought I would end up in, <laughs> to be honest. Tell me about that moment, the moment where you just went in and you were riding your high and you find out that must have been a total bummer. It was shock and not a shock at the same time, right? Like, so I was doing, when I first started at this commercial real estate law firm, a lot of the work they had me doing was looking at our clients' ability to force their tenants to stay at their leases, or what are the termination rights that tenants have and advising our client on how to navigate those termination rights. So the writing was somewhat on the wall that our clients were starting to struggle in the fall of 2008. Um, I, I definitely did not expect to lose my job <laughs> my first hour as the licensed lawyer going back into the office after getting sworn in though. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I understood, right? I was the last to join the firm, first to leave. It makes sense in that standpoint. But it was shocking. I had friends in town to celebrate. We had Bulls tickets for that night to go to the basketball game. Um, and it was a really celebratory weekend that turned into a somewhat panicked mode of what do I do? Right? Like my family wasn't, isn't in Chicago, never was. And so I, I couldn't go stay with my family. I had to figure out how am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to survive this tumultuous time that just got thrown into my lap? Yeah, so, I find it amazing. <laughs> we go through law school, right? I call it hoop jumping, right? We, we take the LSAT, we get to law school, we perform an exams, we get the first job, the next job. There's sort of increasing mm -hmm. difficulty of hoop jumping. There is sort of this um, understanding to some extent 
that uh, if you follow the rules, you'll be rewarded. And, and you know, for, the, for a profession where rule following kind of makes sense and that's what we advocate and help our clients do, um, there is something we are comfortable about it. Yet the real world doesn't always work this way. Sometimes you follow the rules and the rule, and you don't get rewarded for it. Um, and finding that out for the first time, I find it to be shocking. It is. And especially like, you're like, I did what you told me to do law school. I did what you told me to do advisors. And now I'm here. And it was so hard to support anybody. Like my law school did the best they could, but so many people were getting laid off in the fall of 2008 and canceling offers that it was, it was a rough time for lawyers everywhere. Um, and you had to be creative to figure out how to survive as a, as a newly minted lawyer. You have zero experience to bring to the table from a true legal standpoint. And so you had to start looking for what are those skills that's going to help you survive. Um, and one of them is like figuring out your transferable skills. Um, I ended up for a, a short time, I sold diamonds on Jewelers Row. And you might think, how could that ever relate to practicing law? But for me, I had to deal with people in their most stressed out time period, trying to find the perfect ring and the perfect diamond for their girlfriend or husband or like their person that they wanted to surprise. And these folks were stressed as can be. And that's a skill set that lawyers have to work with stressed clients in highly sensitive and emotional environments. So identifying that type of skill in selling diamonds is something that really helped me to say, what are these transferable skills that I can bring, right? Even just learning about the diamond industry and how do I evaluate a diamond? How do I sell it to somebody? How do I teach a client about the different values within a diamond? That's That skill of learning a new industry is immensely relatable to what we did as what I did as a litigator and what I do every day as in-house is to learn the business, learn what the client needs, learn how the world works within that industry. And that's a skill set that I was able to help then transfer in. But finding those transferable skills was something that I need, I knew I needed to figure out how can I use this time when I'm not working as a lawyer in a way that's going to help me increase my legal career at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I find that transferable skills is really something you always get to keep. Um, mm -hmm. They can take away your job. They can take away, you know, you may even lose your friends. You, you yeah. discover that the friends you had may, may not have been real friends. Um, you, you, you know, things come and go, but what you have up here stays with you. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and it, there's something really satisfying about investing in yourself and, and, and getting to keep your investment. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm really with you uh, about kind of the value of transferable skills. So as a professional later in your career, realizing that transferable skills are critical, they're really critical to, 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 to your career, to your well-being, to your uh, mental health. Um, yeah. How do you practically build those? How do you think about them today as a general counsel? You know, it's, it's so interesting. I actually have this conversation with both of my direct reports on a regular basis of what type of bullet points would you want to be able to have on your resume if you were to leave here? Right? Like, what are the type of skills you'd want to showcase for yourself or showcase to a new employer that will help you to grow or show what value you can bring or you are bringing? And when I view it from that standpoint, it really helps me to identify skills gaps that I want to make sure that I'm building skills on or think of unique ways that I can pivot 
a project I'm working on to identify what are the skill sets I'm bringing here that are transport transportable to other avenues in my career. Um, so I really think of it from a resume building standpoint of what type of bullet point do you want, right? Anytime I've managed interns, um, which is always one of my favorite things to get to do as a general counsel is to have an internship program. But I work with the interns, like when you leave here, what are the skill sets that you hope to be able to showcase to a future employer that we can help you develop while you are here at our company? And a project that you do that is very specific to our industry can be very relatable to any industry if you are focusing on the skill sets that you're learning, right? The research or the writing or um, relationship development with various clients. So there's, it's really looking at those, the skill sets behind the projects you're doing and how you're going to kind of promote that at the end of the day has been helpful for me. Yeah, I, I often have similar conversation with, with interns or folks on my team where I say, you know, life is from A to Z. I can take you from A to B. What that B looks like for you, let's talk about it. Um, I, you will have other companions on this journey, but I can definitely take you from A to B and let's talk about how, how I can be of help. And I think having this conversation with yourself and with people on your team uh, regularly, um, I, I find it very helpful. I think it's, it's my version of a bullet point conversation. Um, yeah. and, and, and over time, I've been intentionally having it as well. Let's talk about 2008, because I remember 2008. I remember 2006 through 2010. That was actually a longer period. I, for most of it, I was at a big law firm. And I remember reflecting on many things, including that, you know, it's a tough time for people who stay and for people who go. You know, as mm-hmm. a person who goes, uh, it's obviously tough because you're sort of now on the proverbial streets and you're thinking, yeah, my God, what do I do next? Um, but for people who stay, you know, you also sort of think about, uh, I call it survivor syndrome. Why me? Um, yeah. Oh, my God. Now I have to do the job of five. Uh, and oh, crap, that could happen to me. So mm-hmm. um, it's a complicated situation for everyone that uh, that both stays and goes. So there, I don't believe there are winners in this situation. Um but in addition to developing the transferable skills, what other things do you think are helpful? You know, I think the two other things that I found were some of the key skills that helped me survive those times are vulnerability and scrappiness. And from a vulnerability standpoint, it's really hard to be comfortable asking for help. And it's a skill set that I really had to develop and identify that I could do. Um, and that's, I, you never know where your next job opportunity is going to come from or who's going to be one of your supporters. And so I literally started to tell everybody that I was talking to at one point that I was looking for a job. I was looking for my next opportunity. It's a humbling experience to go through a layoff and to have to be vulnerable and ask for help. But embracing that vulnerability combined with finding those transferable skills, right? You have your talking points to that support, like, I'm looking for my next thing. Here's the value that I can bring to my next organization from the skill sets that you've identified. That's been, that was what really helped me to survive that time. And that's how I got the job at the jewelry store to be able to help me pay my bills and make sure I could keep my, um, my condo that I was living in at the time that I was renting that I didn't get kicked out. Um, and it's, but that it's scary to do. And so that was one skill that I feel really helped me. And the other one was scrappiness. Um, you have to, I had to quickly set my ego aside 
and think about like, how can I survive? How can I be scrappy and determined to um, get to my next career point? Because when you get let go, it's easy to fall into this depressed, anxious state, which I, I'm not going to lie, also happened, right? Like my mental health and my financial security were both at risk in 2008. And figuring out how to preserve my mental health, for me, I needed to have like forward looking progress at any given time. And so I was able to identify goals that were within my control that I could achieve. I set goals for like the number of networking emails I would send a, a week and the number of networking calls or meetings I would set each week or the number of job applications. Because for that, that helped my mental health of I'm doing what I can that's within my power to keep my scrappiness going forward and see where I can end up as my next step. And that ultimately helped me to survive that time period. Let's talk about vulnerabilities because that's an interesting conversation for lawyers. Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely, you know, popularized in the culture that, you know, leaders should be vulnerable. And yet our jobs as lawyers is, you know, to protect our clients um, and, 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 and help them address their vulnerabilities. Mm -hmm. um, and then when you find yourself lawyering yourself out of a challenge, yeah, it's an interesting dilemma to lure yourself out of it as you are taking advantage that vulnerabilities present to you. So as you were going through job applications and interviews, how, how, did, you, how did you lure yourself um, to, to make sense of that? That's such a, I love the lawyering yourself. Like, how are you coaching yourself through your vulnerabilities and phrasing it in that way is so interesting. I think for me, I found it really helpful to fully acknowledge what I could and couldn't do, right? If I was applying for a job where there is a facet that I knew I wasn't as strong in, I would address that up front and have my action plan of how I would handle my gap of knowledge. So when I first was getting into the in-house world, I'd been a litigator for eight years. I'd never negotiated a contract from a transactional standpoint at the beginning. And I told them that up front in the interview. I said, if you're looking for somebody who has a decade worth of transactional experience of terms and specific provisions, I'm not your person. But I can tell you how a contract is going to fail and how you're going to end up in litigation and what you're going to need to do to be able to be successful in that litigation. And that issue spotting will empower me to be a great transactional lawyer. And I will partner with our outside counsel to build on skills, to learn the hard skills that come with it. And that was a very successful interview tactic throughout each of the different interviews I went through because I embraced the vulnerability and I had my action plan for how I'm going to cover that vulnerability to make sure that it isn't a true vulnerability for the company. And I certainly believe in power of, of scrappiness, you know, as, a, as an immigrant who, who pretty much had every job there is to have in the United States and who worked very hard to become a lawyer um, and uh, using my creativity and scrappiness um, has been really, I, I would say, an asset. Uh, but how do you think of it? It is all about creativity at the end of the day, right? Your scrappiness is what helps drive you to think outside of the box and be creative with solutions, especially in the legal department in-house. 
um, you don't have a big budget. You have to be scrappy with what resources you're given. You have to be creative on how you bring tools and technology to supplement your team to deliver the content and services that your internal clients need. Um, but the, the scrappiness is really all about creativity and humility, right? Like understanding that it's okay to not be the number one person on the totem pole that it takes, you have to be um, a team player in many ways throughout. And for me, like scrappiness embodies both the creativityness, the creativity aspect, the team player aspect, um, and just that never ending determination to, I mean, our, one of our values at 3Q is to accept no limits. And I think scrappiness really fuels you to accept no limits and to always be challenging the status quo and thinking of ways to improve with the limited resources you often have. I, I love sort of taking the limited resources as an advantage as opposed to disadvantage explanation. Um, you mentioned your experiences as a consultant. That is not usual to go from mm -hmm. lawyer to consultant to back to lawyer. Um, I actually would like to see it more often. This is what I call swimming across lanes. Um, you've done it beautifully. Mm -hmm. Tell me how that opportunity came about. You know, I part of it was being in the right place at the right time, but part of it was being open to something different. Um, and it wasn't a decision I took lightly to leave practicing law. I talked with uh, several of my mentors. I talked with several of my colleagues. Of like, am I? Is this career suicide if I leave and I decide I don't like it? So it was a decision that I really took. To heart of am I comfortable doing it? And at the end of the day, um, I made sure that the way I went through the consulting career would create skill sets that if I wanted to go back into the law, I could always do that. And ultimately, I did. And the consulting firm I went to was really amazing in how they, they said, you're going to know within the first six months if consulting is for you or not. It was not for me <laughs> to be fully candid. And I knew at the like four to five month park. And I'm like, you know, let me let me see this through for the year. I'll see how it goes. And the opportunity with Rise, um, one of my former employees, my first GC role fell into my lap through LinkedIn. But when I was in the consulting world, I I loved a lot of aspects of really diving in to help the businesses because it was a change management consulting firm. And we helped from like organizational structure of companies, um, kind of process improvements. There was a lot of opportunities that we got to go in and really transform businesses. And I felt like we really got to help make things better for people that were part of the process, which is something I felt was lacking as a litigator and was part of what called to me about leaving the law to go be a consultant. Going in-house, I found you could get a lot of those same benefits of truly improving a business and improving the lives of folks within the company as an in-house lawyer that is focused on process improvement and efficiencies that you can bring through the legal function. And so I was just really interesting being like taking that risk and taking that leap to go into the consulting world. And I'm forever grateful for my consultant employer that I, I worked with. They they were so gracious upon my exit. They're like, it happens, right? Consulting isn't for some people. And we we left on great terms. And I it was it was a great experience though to fuel and it really transformed me as a lawyer because you think it differently once you've been on the business side and you live in the business, you just think differently. So I'm I'm glad I did it. We think about this, will this be a career suicide? 
Mm-hmm. I, I like to call it a door conversation. Um, when I was considering two law firms, my, uh, I guess, mentor at the time gave me the, what I could now refer to as a door conversation. Some doors are wider than others. You want to go through a wider door possible. And from some doors, you cannot return. So you really want to make sure that you go through the white door and then you come back. And so I've had my door conversation and then I had my door conversation pretty much before every job I've taken um, as a lawyer or in the legal industry. Uh, the suicide career, suicide conversation is essentially a door conversation with a more yeah. negative spin. And it's it sort of uh, other people talk to us about doors, but when we talk to ourselves, we would do a more negative spin and we talk about career suicide. It's essentially the same conversation. Um, I find this very interesting. I'm having this thought and conversation before every job. Mm-hmm. And yet my career still goes on. <laughs> right, right. That That's something that we tend to forget when you're in the moment, right? In the moment, it feels like it's this make or break decision point, but it doesn't change who you are. You're still Olga at this job, Olga at that job, or Julie at this job, or Julie at that job. I'm still me at the end of the day. And I still bring the skills and the value, as you said earlier, like they can't take away the experience and the skills that you've developed from any job that you go to. And so I, it's so interesting, like when you take a step back and you reflect on career changes, it's like, how could I have thought that this would have been like detrimental to my career in any way? Um, it is so different with that hindsight viewpoint, but it's something important in the moment to try to remind yourself that it isn't a make it or break it scenario. It isn't a life or death scenario or a career suicide moment. It's yeah, short of making anything illegal or immoral, right? Right. Um, <laughs> I, I, I actually think you can do no wrong. Yeah. Even if you take one step back and take five steps forwards later, uh, you know, I'm not advocating that you can never kill your career. You could, um, you know, certainly stay away from anything illegal or immoral or, um, you know, questionable that way but but those are outlier cases you know i just i find it very interesting that we have this door to career suicide conversations yet you know you you know having had a number of jobs now you can't really do a whole lot of things wrong that you cannot recover from um and so it's interesting that we continue having this self-talk and and that track Um, right and we talk to each other in a more positive way when we talk to ourselves in a more negative way and one of the things you mentioned in kind of the anxiety uh, that the loss of job creates and the sort of the psychology of it. Um, and you and, 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 and I and would be very curious um, how you dealt with that, how that anxiety around following the rules, having things out of your control and um, making choices that could be career suicide. That's, you mm-hmm. know, no wonder you have anxiety after that. <laughs> um, that whole, yeah. Right. Because that whole, that whole conversation is, 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 is scary. Uh, just to kind of hypothetically think about it and being in the moment, it's super scary. So w- how do you deal with that anxiety? I mean, the cheeky answer is a lot of therapy bills, <laughs> but um, the, in all honesty, it's, it's really, giving yourself the safety, the safe space to fail and knowing that it's okay and that you're going to survive, right? Like I knew at the end of the day, I had my my family to fall back on to help me if I couldn't 
make ends meet. If I couldn't pay my rent one month, my parents were able to help me. And I'm really fortunate. Not everybody is in that type of situation to have a backup net of someone who can help them when they're first starting out. But if you, for me, I really had to think about like, how do I, like, I'm not going to get anywhere if I just sit on my couch crying every day, right? That's not going to get me another job. It's not going to get me to my next um, paycheck if I'm not doing that. And so I had, sometimes you have to like fake it till you make it um, is what a lot of people say. Um, But really just put yourself out there and embracing that vulnerable aspect, but know that other people are there too. That helped me to know I'm not alone, right? There are so many people who lost their jobs in 2008, similar to right now. There's so many people who have lost their jobs throughout COVID and the pandemic. The group feeling that comes from that, of knowing that you're not the only one in that scenario, I think was something that really helped me to know I'm not alone. It's not a reflection of me or myself, but I also relied really heavily on mental health professionals to help me and finding the right like therapist partners that could help me identify why I was internalizing the decisions that had been made um, to reflect on myself, which wasn't the case. It took me months to embrace the fact that I didn't get laid off because of me. I got laid off because the firm was in a position that they couldn't handle, uh, have as many employees on board. I love it that uh, leaders today like yourself and, 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 and numerous bar associations normalize mental health conversations. Um, because they're, they're not just individual challenges, they're collective challenges for, for our profession, uh, especially mm-hmm. as we're experiencing a lot of economic turbulence, uh, pandemic turbulence, frankly, skill turbulence, technology turbulence. Um, none of us, you know, all of us will have moments of anxiety, and it's okay to have moments of anxiety when the moments of anxiety become much longer than moments and take over our lives. And we're not skilled to identify the symptoms and let alone dealing with them. It becomes a, a professional challenge that we, we as a profession should help each other to, to overcome. And I really love the, um, the increased focus on normalizing mm-hmm. the conversation around anxiety, especially anxiety when transition happened um, and yeah. equipping professionals um, with tools, including seeking help. Um, because um, depending on how long your moments of anxiety have become, um, you, you know, fake it until you make it may not be an option anymore and you right. need professional help. And, and thank you for talking about it so openly because it's, 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 it's very important that, that leaders acknowledge that it's, it's okay, it's normal. And I, in fact, have done it. So I, I really appreciate that. Yeah, and it, I honestly feel like Having gone through the experience I went through in 2008, and it, it's been an uphill battle since then, and I'm grateful for each of the challenges that I've been able to overcome, but like, I still feel the effects of getting laid off in 2008 today um, in terms of like student loans and other aspects. And so I think having gone through that experience helped shape me as a leader where I, I am more empathetic. I've, I've been laid off. I, I've since laid off a lot. I've been in a lot of termination conversations being in the in-house position and on the HR side. Um, I'm much more empathetic and I approach those conversations differently than I would have if I had never been on the receiving end of those news. Right? I, I understand and I can empathize what it feels like to be terminated and it sucks. right? And it's helping people to know that life continues beyond this termination. Like You are not your job and separate yourself apart from like 
being tying your identity to your career, which so many of us do. Um, it's important to help people see that even in the way you deliver the termination news, um, it's something like I've transformed how I have that conversation, having been through the experience on the receiving end. Yeah, I'm with you. As, as, as a former in-house lawyer who, who, who've dealt with fair share of termination myself, it is a challenging conversation and you definitely have a much more humane approach having been on the receiving end and, and realizing that there is struggle on the way and perhaps a lot of you know, light at the end of the tunnel if, if, you, if you do it well. As you think about how, how this journey, this really interesting journey of, of following the rule, having a surprise, exploring your transferable skills, your scrappiness, your vulnerability, having been a consultant, having had adventures with dim- diamonds. <laughs> how, <Yes>. um, <laughs> I know exactly what not to waste your money on, which is great. <laughs> having had all that, how, how did it shape you as a, as a legal leader, as general counsel? I honestly wouldn't be where I am today without so many people having gone out of their way to help me. Having gone through these experiences, I... I truly believe that success is a team effort. And I'm so, I'm always looking to see who else within my leadership team or within the company can support me on various efforts that I'm um, investigating or initiatives that I'm rolling out. I think I'm, I am a much more collaborative leader than I might otherwise be because I, I realize where my vulnerabilities are, where I need to bring in skill sets from other folks to make sure that we are achieving the most success as a cohesive team. Um, I also think embracing change is something that I have come to love and seek out um, because I've had to go through so many quick career changes and at times involuntary career changes. um, Being able to pivot in that change moment and think about how can I utilize this change to forward myself or my company or my team is something that I, I look to as an opportunity as opposed to a um, scary moment. So I think I've just embraced change in a different way than I would have otherwise done if I hadn't gone through the experiences I went through. And I, I would say lastly, like just resourcing is always something that is a a precarious thing as a leader to figure out of how many, like how much of a budget do I need? How much of a team do I need? And as a legal leader, I've seen so many great examples throughout the different points I've been in, in within my career of people running really lean legal teams that rely on technology and processes and efficiencies built in with how the team is structured. And it's something that I've, I find pride in that we can run lean legal machines within our companies that I've been in. Um, that's been very rewarding. And it's a different approach to leading the legal efforts within my company than I probably otherwise would have taken. Um, but I, I kind of embrace that scrappiness mentality of I want to do more with less and show them that we can make it happen. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I've always learned so much from you. I wish we'd do this again. Yes, thank you so much, Olga, for having me. And it's always such a pleasure to get to chat with you and learn through our shared conversations. So thank you.